everybody uh, that's ever lived has had a completely unique situation. So the fact that some of this kind of works out is cool. Half mind blowing that anything even works. Welcome to Greater Secrets. I'm Tom and in this podcast, we will take a look at creativity. By and for creators, we will dive into the secrets of creating your best work and a journey that will take us there. One episode and one talk at a time. And I'm never looking back again. Hey guys, uh, it's been a while since since we talked together, isn't it? So with this episode, I am now officially stating that the podcast is back. Kind of felt like a, a Casey Neistat moment, like the vlog is back. No, the podcast is back. And boy, oh boy, do I have like a lineup ready for all of you guys. So before we start with the first episode of season two of Creator Secrets, uh, it feels so good to say that finally, um, I do want to mention this podcast is linked to a video on Tom's Odyssey. So if you didn't see it already or it's not online yet, um, definitely go to the YouTube channel to see a nicely dense packed you know, summary of this whole conversation. If you want to get all the full details of everything that we talk about, this here is the place to be. With that being said, let's dig into the meat of this whole conversation. Probably also the reason why you're here, procrastination and what that ties into with habits and human behavior. Sometimes we're just destined to meet people. You have a lot of close encounters, but you didn't get to know each other that well. And then sometimes uh, by pure chance or a friend commenting on your Instagram page, you just decide it's time to meet up online. Plot twists, this is exactly what happened with me and Ryan. So Ryan is uh, what we know as a behavioral analyst. And uh, something that I've always been really fascinated with is human behavior. Why do we do the things that we do? We're both kind of self-growth nerds. So I think it was just safe to say this podcast was meant to be happening. So what you should know about Ryan is that he is not only a scientist, he is also a content creator. And with all of that in common, I think it's now time for him to explain what he really does in his daily life and, you know, a little bit of a backstory on who is Ryan. Great, so first of all, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, so my name is Ryan O'Donnell and I've come to develop this term called a creative behavioral scientist, totally made up, entirely made up. And uh, first of all, the behavioral science part. I stumbled into a class in uh, undergraduate that was about psychology from the angle of a field called behavior analysis. And the idea here is that we're looking at the environmental influences and how people are uh, in influenced by their environment, their history, their context, their culture, all these sort of things. Um, I chased that, studied that as much as I possibly could, ended up getting my master's degree in that. Um, so I have a master's of science in uh, formerly called applied behavior analysis. And um, through that, had the opportunity to work with a whole lot of people helping transform lives. Uh, people would come with goals, things that they wanted to work on. And uh, largely this is typically in the context of either educational settings or working with people with intellectual developmental disabilities. Um, and I found myself 
then starting to create services under those um, for those sort of populations and working with staff and training staff and training uh, paraprofessionals or educational folks on how to kind of look through the lens that we had. And we'll dive into that a little bit more, but this behavior scientist is uh, a term that's used actually for a whole range of fields. So formally, behavior analysis is the field that I studied. Uh, it is an interpretation of behavior science, I would say. There's a whole lot of folks when it comes to behavioral economics, um, when it comes to other forms of psychology that might end up calling themselves a behavioral scientist. So if you hear that, just know that you gotta kinda dig a little bit deeper as to what exactly that person does. Um, and the field that I got into is that behavior analysis. During this time of helping create services and, and, and kind of chasing my interests in this area, um, I dove into two things. First of all, kind of business entrepreneurship and then perspective taking. Uh, perspective taking was really interesting because for me, the idea was that the more that you could take a perspective of uh, the person that you're trying to help, kind of the better you could potentially help them. And the other side was creating things, right? Trying to make new services, make new products, tools, whatever it is that would help people out. One of those uh, became, I didn't know at the time, but video. I was watching some videos and realized, hey, no one's really doing this in the behavior analysis space. Uh, what if I picked up a camera, started recording, uploading, and see what happened? Uh, turns out that's a lot harder than you would think, <laughs> as, as I'm sure you know and many listening know. Um, but I just couldn't put the camera down, and it's gone to the point now where uh, I've on my own, I've got a business and I create content for behavior and mental health professionals. Typically that looks like going in, recording content, um, either for marketing, for online courses, helping them uh, find people, attract and hire talent as well. Um, and that is part of my day-to-day. -day. The other part of my day-to-day -day is sometimes some freelance video work in other areas outside of that. Um, but there's usually like a psychology angle there. Um, that kind of keeps me interested. That's my day-to-day. -day. The channel that I started, I forgot to mention that, was uh, the Daily BA. The idea was a daily behavior analytic uh, upload of some kind. Now, uh, by no means has it been daily, but it was, it was set there to try to keep me from actually procrastinating, believe it or not, uh, and uploading consistently, right? So I guess that's the long story long, Tom. And that brings us to the reason I wanted to have this talk with Ryan. Uh, so everyone out there knows as well, I kind of lost my drive the past few months. So ever since Corona hit, um, I tried to do things a little bit differently. I started doing Creators for Climate. Um, we're working a lot behind the scenes to get that thing operational. But, you know, I kind of felt like I reached my goal of combining my love for the sciences and love for, let's just say, content creation. And how that manifested itself is was, you know, I didn't feel like creating. I wasn't feeling inspired. And it's something that a lot of you probably have felt during this time, especially during COVID. It was a really weird time for all of us. But I just wanted to have this conversation to understand how do we deal with this unwanted behavior? So why don't we just start off with picking his brain and I think one of the best things is like understanding what somebody else's drive is. For me, this kind of ties into procrastination. Like there was, there was the opportunity in front of me to try to create video content for a niche of this behavior analysis. And if I could find something every day to create and put it out there, I could get feedback, learn what was working, what was not working. Um, and basically if I were going to procrastinate on this idea, because it was the only 
option I had at the time, then I was going to have to resort back into a job or a role that just at the time at least was not as interesting to me. I was not as passionate about. Um, and so each day when I woke up, it was like, I would usually watch some of my favorite creators and see what they posted at the time. Um, and then usually a good morning workout as well. I like to, when I'm doing really well and I'm not procrastinating, then, then that happens. And that usually sets me up for, uh, I don't know what I'm gonna make necessarily, but like that sets me up for a very productive day in the sense of I'll spend a lot of active, very engaging hours, you know, kind of like that flow state idea, like I'll, I'll spend a lot of time there. Whether or not what I create works or not, <laughs> it totally depends. Um, but that was, that was kind of the fuel for the fire. Fuel for the fire, okay, I totally, Love that one. So um, Ryan, can you can we discuss that a little bit more? Let's go deeper into uh, what 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 do you do when you lost your drive? When you have this unwanted behavior, um, where does behavior science tie into content creation in the first place? Um, so the way to think about this behavior analysis field is. Um, there's a whole lot of things that are potentially influencing your life. I kind of listed them earlier, or a few of them, right? When it comes to the, the environment, the people around you, your culture, your geographic region, uh, what's happening in your day to day, that compounds like you, your own learning history, right? Compounds every, every day as well. So all these things are just dynamically, <laughs> constantly uh, influencing, right? And um, the way that a behavior analyst would look at the world is they try to understand with it individual specific response, like what it is that you're doing. A response can be something as simple as thinking of an idea. It could be as something as uh, complex as creating a video. It can be something as uh, simple as a mouse click. It could be uh, having conversation. It can be, the point here is anything that you're doing. That's how we define behavior, right? Um, and we try to look at what are what we would call the, the stimulus conditions, just the certain things that are going on in your life that are bringing about your behavior or oftentimes with procrastination, bringing about other behavior than the one that you intended to actually engage in, right? Um, so when it comes to, uh, to try to kind of tie to this into the video aspect, what really fascinated me with video and creation of things, even on the business side, but to stick with video, is you're trying to understand How's the world work? Like, how does this camera work, for example? What are the different ways in which light comes into it? Uh, what are the different ways in which, you know, I can create good audio and things like this? And those are uh, some of your different mediums, your stimuli as a way to try to influence others. So video had the visual aspect. You could even put up text on the screen, which I would argue is a little bit different. It's kind of got like that written component. So you got text, you've got audio, you've got video. You got three different ways to kind of combine and potentially uh, create very unique, unique circumstances that will influence somebody to do something, whether that's a call to action or explore a new idea or concept, whether that's a, your goal is to try to create just the right conditions to where they emotionally feel something. Like it can do darn near anything. <laughs> if you can think of it, you can figure out some way to leverage video to try to instill those sort of emotions or actions. And for better or worse, right? Um, we see this in social media and <laughs> what's going on. It could, could be used for the dark side or the light side, right? Um, and so really behavior analysts are trying to understand what are the things that are bringing about behavior that people want in their life or that they don't want in their life and help them understand what those situations are so they can change the environment around them to get more of the behavior that they do want in their life or less of what they don't want in their life. And with video, it was just you could try to create a circumstance where you achieve the same things, but on a grander scale, right, with a lot more people. Um, so that's 
how they tie together for me. So I think now people have like somewhat of an understanding of the way of thinking of a behavioral analyst uh, regarding content creation. But I think it's also going to be very helpful to get your take on, uh, you know, creative ruts, blocks, the white page, whatever you want to call it. Because I do think at some point it's something that every creator will be confronted with. So what's going on in someone's mind when, when a creative rut happens? To a quick segue first, uh, before I, what I would do, yeah. um, the, the term mind is an interesting one that you brought up there. Just to, to throw this out there, because it's very different and it's helpful for anybody to understand where I'm coming from a little bit more. Um, there's this concept of dualism that they talk about in psychology, where you kind of believe that the world operates one way, but then it operates a different way under other circumstances. And behavior analysis just looks at hardcore science, hard science perspective. The mind, it would be argued, has been hard to ever find, discover, and, and measure. You can look at other things, blood, uh, blood uh, flow, for example, in fMRI scans is, is sometimes alluded to as you know, potential activity of the mind or the brain, things like this. And don't wanna go too far into that, but I wanna make it clear to anybody that's listening here that um, the way that we would first look at this, it's really important, is if you slide into a situation where it's something that you can't actually measure or practically you know, do something with, that we'd be like, okay, let's step back and how can we reframe this? Um, so if it helps people believe in a mind, these sort of things, that's fine, teach their own. Uh, but where we would first go is we'd step back and be like, okay, um, if you were to say, like, I feel like my mind's just not in the right creative spot on this creative block, we'd be like, okay, yeah. well, let's step back and let's look at what are the things that you're doing in your day-to-day? -day? What are the things around you, right? Um, when were circumstances that used to bring up creative things? So for example, for me, the more that I potentially watch my favorite YouTubers before I create a video, the more likely I'm going to try new stuff, but also the likelihood that I'm going to do things that they do, mannerisms and things like that, because it's recent, right? Um, but there's, there's things like that that will, will influence me in the moment. Um, if I don't consume a lot of content or other people's stuff, then I, I stop having those sort of like um, inputs that start to influence me to do certain things. And so usually it starts with asking people to kind of audit, like, what have you done the last day? What have you done the last week, last month? And just usually a conversation or like writing down if you're on your own, trying to understand what, are, what, what have you been doing? Um, and is there any patterns there potentially? Like you change something that you're not used to doing or maybe it's a life circumstance that came up that's just limited you completely. For example, uh, I've been moving the last couple of weeks and I haven't been able to make videos just because literally everything's been completely torn down. Like that would be something where I'd be like, oh, I'm not necessarily in a creative rut. I'm just like, I don't have materials I need to be able to create in the moment. Um, but he did make it to the podcast though. I did. And I, I do have to add that, that it's, 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 I, I am so grateful that you actually made it to the podcast. Uh, I wouldn't miss it, honestly. Um, and the, it created the circumstances for me to actually do this, to not procrastinate, right? Um, and so that kind of, that's actually a perfect segue. So the other thing would be, okay, you recognize at some point that you're in this kind of creative rut or um, that you're on a creative mindset. And it would be like, okay, what can you do to potentially, how I would say it is increase, increase some variability in your life. How do you just change things to where you have more stimulation coming in from different ways than you're used to. Um, that can be something super simple. And I think people recognize, like a lot of creators rec or, uh, suggest a whole lot of different things. So that might be like 
go, like, stepping, walking away, going for a walk. It might be listening to a podcast. It might be calling somebody that you haven't talked to for a while. Um, it might be watching some people on you know, your favorite creative platform. It might be watching a movie. It might be uh, sitting down with just a pencil and a piece of paper and writing things out. Like There's an infinite, potentially, number of strategies. But what those are all at their core trying to do is increase variability of stimulation in your life. And that is like the first starting point that I always recommend. It's always something I do myself. If I find myself not creating things, it's like I need to, uh, or creating things I'm not necessarily happy about either, like at the end of the day, it's how do I create more sensory inputs, things affecting me that could be through any sort of way. Um, for me, that's usually calling people, reading some sort of content and watching people um, that are doing similar things in different ways. You'd be a perfect example of this. Like, it would be great to look at other people that have found themselves in this science communication sort of area and see, you know, what's Tom doing? Is there some sort of angle that I can pick up and be like, hey, uh, Tom, I'm stealing that. I'll give you credit, but like, I'm going to use that and give my spin on it in this behavior analysis field. Um, so increase variability is the first take home. The other one that I uh, kind of started with there is if you find yourself pointing to things that you can't directly manipulate, like, oh, I need to change my mind or I need to create this different mindset. For us, that would just not be something that you can directly manipulate. So we'd be like, okay, let's, let's step back and see what you can manipulate to see if that mindset changes. Does that make sense? That, that makes sense. Okay. I think one of the things, like the variability that you said, come, it really ties into also the creativity part, um, being proliferating your options. So one way to, to come up with something that you can actually call creative and not just a deriv derivative of something else is, um, you know, making a bunch of different options. And the more you start to think, like the more you have to use your brain juice and the more you do that, the more you do that, the, the newer your idea gets. Like there's this exercise you can do. It's like um, you put like a nice chair, small chair in the middle of a room and you ask a, a bunch of students to, to write down 60 different things you can, you can do with that chair. Like the first things that come to mind, you can sit on it, you can stand on it, you can, you know, use it as a table. Those are kind of things that everyone one gets to, um, but at the end you get like, you can use it to put a lion on and tame that lion. Like random ideas mm -hmm. that come from really, really thinking hard, meaning introducing some variability into your thinking. And I think that ties in together with that. But I think in the moment that you have that creative block, that's where where your brain is. So uh, my favorite behavior analysis quote, it's one line. It says, the ability to think lies precisely in relating something to something else. And the idea there, which you were just giving an example of, is how do you, like, what are 60 ways in which you would use this chair? It forces you to think about relating things that you would never relate to each other. Like, uh, for example, I didn't think of the one of like putting a, uh, uh, a lion on there and taming a lion in some sort of way. But my first thought, I've been playing some basketball recently, my first thought was uh, I could potentially try to spin that on my finger. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Like there's things like that that you think of. Probably. But but uh, uh, the, 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 the follow-up there is that there is unfortunately never a one-size-fits-all on like what solution gets you over that. And so the important thing is to recognize that you're gonna have to try something, see if it works, and potentially try other things as well. And you can start to find patterns over time through that. Does it have to be something new? Or like, does that work better? 
in your case, like in, in your way of thinking um, or like something familiar that you know have worked before? So we're creatures of habit, right? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll probably lead to things that have worked in the past. Um, so for me, uh, typically, I, I find myself going on a walk or watching other people's content because that usually helps me find a way to be able to kind of mm -hmm. get out of a rut. Um, that being said, um, remember the goal here is to increase variability. If I do the same thing to try to get out of my rut, mm -hmm. I might just not ever get out of my rut. So you gotta realize, right, like that um, our decisions, like every decision that we potentially make, even choosing a strategy, potentially can get stuck because we're used to a certain way. Um, and it's slightly stepping outside of that comfort zone that uh, allows you to bring about that variability. And for me, I just look at, you know, when I tried this, did it lead to something new? And I try to keep notes on that. Just this worked today. This didn't work the other day. This worked today. This didn't work the other day. It's just it's, it's because I was I was thinking uh, from the last video that I did, um, the one of uh, 18 million views destroyed my YouTube channel. You know, uh, it's still a pain in the ass. But <laughs> I just clearly remember there were these two days uh, and the, the deadline was coming up, uh, the deadline I set for myself. But it was coming up and there was, I had the script written, I had the shot list made, and I just couldn't get myself to touch the button, start filming, and just get the shots that I needed to, so I could start editing. I just didn't feel like creating. Um, but I thought to myself, you know, if I'm gonna be unproductive, let's at least try to get a spark out of this and get inspired again. Uh, to turn this all around. So I did what I do normally in these kind of situations and just turn to, you know, YouTube, to uh, different forms of where I find my inspiration. But I think this is just part of the creative process, you know, when there's a moment when you don't feel very productive and you think it's not going to work out and then magically it turns around. That made me think of, Tom, there's, we oftentimes set up our own verbalizations or like we think like we have to be X amount mm -hmm. of productive or achieve a certain amount of stuff and things like that. And that might be justifiable in certain circumstances. Like if you've got a client deadline that you need to create stuff and you don't hit it, yeah, you procrastinate, like you didn't achieve it. But when it comes to things that you're creating on your own, um, sometimes I like to look at like behavior change takes a whole lot of time. When it came to me learning how to actually operate a camera to the point that I think it's realistic that someone should potentially hire me, like that was, that was three years <laughs> of work, of daily, almost daily work, constantly going through processes, sometimes for eight or 10 or 12 hours a day to, to like learn that sort of skill set. So you can't hold yourself accountable that much, or you should hold yourself accountable, let me reframe that, but you can't hold it against yourself, that's what I was looking for, um, on something that didn't work out in a single you know, day or circumstance, when oftentimes it takes so much more time to achieve things for things to compound, you know? So, mm -hmm. like, there's a, there's a did I procrastinate or, you know, uh, create something and produce something in that day? But there should be the mentality also of, like, where was I three months ago? Where was I six months ago? Where am I, you know, like, where am I going with this? Um, and you'll find that some of these things take a very long time, right? And, and our day to day, mm -hmm. our, our own mind might be making a justification for, ah, you procrastinated too much or you failed on something like this. When in hindsight, really, it was something where if you take, take a step back and look at a bigger picture, you're like, 
I'm actually making a lot of progress on this. Like this was a setback, yes, but like that's just because I framed it as a setback. What can I do tomorrow to change it and move forward? Exactly. I think also just with society in general, um, it's been pushed to like, you have to have a productive work day and, and somewhat that's a little bit ingrained in, in working people, Yeah, <laughs> you know, also for students, but like you have to have, you have to be productive to feel productive. And that moment made me realize to that maybe procrastination isn't always that bad use it as part of a mind shift. I mean, like there's, I know there's some research coming out of, I might be messing up, but it's one of the Nordic countries looking at potentially moving to like a 32 hour work week, right? 30 hour work week, because they're mm -hmm. finding productivity mm -hmm. stays the same and people are happier, right? Um, so yeah, I look at, exactly. I, yeah, like that's an aggregate and that's cool that we can look at those sort of things, but uh, I guess I'd, I'd be encouraged, like what I've learned from behavior analysis is that each individual has a unique set of circumstances, literally when it comes to everything from your genetics all the way to your day-to-day -day life, the country, your, like, the you know, race, ethnicity, geographic region that you're in. And so you can't hold yourself necessarily to other standards. You need to look at yourself. What are you doing? What's working for you? Um, and if you think that you're going to be maxing out at, uh, you know, 50, 60, 80, 100 hours of productivity per week, you probably can in the short term, but like that's not going to hold, right? Like for the majority of us, that's not going to hold, <laughs> right? So, so you, you yeah. might have to kind of reframe your expectations. And what I've done, for example, is um, uh, each, each, I don't know, month, quarter, year, I've kind of like, not, not on a set schedule, but I've found myself being like, oh, I can actually, you know, now tackle this client project that used to take me two months, now in two weeks. Um, and so that makes me think, you know, on one side, like maybe what I do now is I schedule four of these over these two weeks and you're like, no, that might burn me out. Right. So maybe what I do is I schedule two of them mm -hmm. so that I, so that I'm, uh, you know, experiencing that productivity, um, and, and not getting to the point that I'm pushing myself too hard. So it's kind of like finding the unique, like mix of things that works and realizing that if you're holding yourself to somebody else's set, uh, like set of variables that they say works for them you're probably not going to find what you're looking for in yourself. I think that just clearly illustrates that every person is just so unique in, in the way that they handle these things, which brings us to the next topic. So let's talk about those, those hacks, if that's okay. Um, when do they work? Why don't they work all the time? And, you know, there's some, uh, some part in one of these articles that I found very interesting. Let me quote. Procrastination is an emotion regulation problem, not a time management problem. I think that really resonated for me and, and also made me curious. So I don't know if you have some thoughts on that coming from the behavioral science. Yeah, so from this behavioral science perspective, we wouldn't look as emotions necessarily as the cause, but as a part of what's going on in that situation. And so for us, something like being mad or frustrated or upset those are things that we need to try to step back and understand. And sometimes potentially you need to work on those first. And I think that's what the author is going here for, for um, is you need to work on those first and then you'll be able to solve your quote procrastination problem. This is really interesting because procrastination as they're arguing wasn't actually the issue, it was something else. This like root emotional thing was going on. And if you solve that, then you're good to go. And so for example, if you're trying productivity hacks and things like this, and you're going for a walk, you're listening to new creators, you're, you know, you're trying to do things, but you have this underlying emotional thing that's going on, then those hacks might get you a little bit in the moment, but they're not gonna systemically solve the problem. 
And so while well, I would interpret this a little bit differently than that author, because that's just like how philosophy and science goes, right? Um, it doesn't mean that we wouldn't end up in the same spot of understand what's going on. So my way to kind of proactively suggest people to try to understand these things is emotions I would consider as kind of part of the, like we call, we call them like behavioral chains in a way. They're a part of um, things that you do in succession that might get in the way or they might help out. So think of, uh, you know, these emotions is potentially things that help influence your behavior in a certain direction or kind of steer it off course. And for the best, I guess, practical advice would be if you notice yourself, like I was saying, being productive, not being productive, and like what I do at the end of my day to day, is I just take some quick notes. And it might be like, in this context, something like, you know, I had this phone call that totally messed up my day for a couple hours, threw me off. It was very, um, you know, it led to the emotions of, you know, being upset, frustrated, and things like this. And the important thing there is it's that I wasn't necessarily unproductive. It was there was an unexpected thing that came up um, that led to some of these sort of emotions. And until I deal with that problem, it's going to continually be there for me. So, for example, uh, during this move that I mentioned that I've been doing with my creative space and my living arrangements, um, it's led to a lot of emotions. And it doesn't mean that I need to sit down and figure out how to be productive. I need to deal with the situation of setting up my studio, moving all my stuff, handling all the stuff I need to do so that those emotions uh, subside, I would say. And that'll then allow me to be productive and creative again. Does that make sense? Like, it's a part of. You mean like dealing with the environment that creates the emotion? Yes, 100%. You, and the important thing here is, for example, people might be like, I need a product productivity hacked. And you're like, no, you don't need a productivity hack right now. What you need is you actually need to figure out how to work through the situations that are bringing up the emotions because those are what is leading to your productivity being affected. But it's not your productivity it's yourself because you're not getting to that point. So it's a, in this like psychology science model, if you were to deploy all your resources, the productivity issue, uh, air quotes, and so the emotional issue, air quotes, uh, you wouldn't get anywhere, right? You'd continually be in this problem because you're not going to the source. Yeah, totally. So um, when I was doing research for you know, the podcast here and for the video that we're making out of this, um, there are a few things that kept coming back and back. Uh, and it was articles about self-compassion and forgiving yourself when you are procrastinating. Um, the first time I read those, I don't know why, but it just sounded really silly to me. Like I was picturing standing in front of the mirror and, you know, talking to myself saying like, hey, I'm sorry for procrastinating yesterday. Uh, however, when I was reading through all of this and everything, we talked a little bit more about the emotion. It, it kind of made sense. But I don't know, it still felt a little bit silly the first time I read that. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. And so um, for the listeners out there, I'm also on the side of you here, Tom, of where I don't think that those things are useful for me per se. Um, now there is like mm -hmm. a little bit of it there though. So I was, I did say that like in the day-to-day -day of me checking on, in on what I achieved and didn't achieve, I might be like, okay, you didn't achieve these things. And I try not to hold myself too accountable and I just make the change for the next day. So like I have a part of that in there, but like there's different ways to do this. And me standing in front of a mirror, like mm -hmm. you're talking about, is one of those strategies that I have seen where people say, you know, it's okay, I've gone through this, you know, like that I've experienced this sort of thing. Um, and I guess this this highlights that there's not a one size fits all that's going to work, and it totally yeah. depends yeah. on you yourself. So I would encourage trying these things. And it's not that these things are being 
Uh, like that comes from an area, uh, there's different places that look into this, but the one that I'm the most familiar with is there's a, a behavioral therapy that's called acceptance and commitment therapy. And part of that um, on what they, a therapist would do at some point is helping people understand that they might have a goal that they're not achieving and it is okay in the moment to recognize failure and that is meant to be for a therapist as a way to realize that what you've been trying to do isn't solving it so maybe i need to try something different right so that it literally is the variability yeah. thing again <laughs> like that's that's trying mm -hmm. to bring about some more variability in what people are trying so if you remember that then that is that's how that kind of connects together yeah so like um i'm just randomly thinking out loud here but like for someone who might not be really into all of the self-growth uh, that we've been talking about already and they're starting out, this could be like an initial point which then triggers them to go into more different directions of like trying to figure something out around progress. Exactly. And so that's where like it, it might seem silly to you or I potentially because it's not something we found success with or uh, personal interest in, but it might 100% mm -hmm. be what somebody is looking for that's out there listening to this podcast. Um, and so it kind of brings me back to um, the goal, I think, of, of anyone that was like seeking to be mildly to extremely productive is take some notes, take some information, we, you know, some, some hard data on what's working for you, what's not working for you, because um, that's going to really tell you, um, give you answers like this question you asked on an individual level. Every productivity hack list should come with like that at the, at the top saying like, take notes, none of these could work, all of them could work. Just figure out which works for you and then give the whole list. Exactly. Because I don't think like that's what they do. <laughs> okay, so uh, there was another quote in there, um, which I think you're probably going to have a lot more to talk about because I think it's like one of the, the big things in behavioral science. Mm -hmm. um, so it says, in the immediate present, putting off a task provides relief. Um, mm -hmm. You've been rewarded for procrastinating. What we know from basic behaviorism, that when we're rewarded for something, we tend to do it again. So to me, that sounds like, like procrastination is a form of habit building, bad habit building. I would say a hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we can dive into it more, but yeah, that's it. So the way that, uh, the way that the environment works and these sort of things is everything that you do potentially follows up by something that is either pleasurable or noxious in some sort of way, help, you know, feels good or doesn't feel good. It can be neutral as well, I guess. But the idea here is that, um, your behavior of something like procrastinating, especially, so let's say that, uh, I have a task in front of me and I choose to, uh, instead click and open up Twitter, YouTube, something like that, that immediate, there's two things actually on this. Uh, so note that like this, the stimulation, the sort of environmental things happen very quickly. Something like pivoting off of a task that you should be doing and opening up, uh, let's say YouTube, what that's going to do is it's gonna provide the relief, like you're saying, from the, the procrastinating activity, but it's also gonna provide the goodness of whatever that YouTube video is, presuming it's good, right? But like that content, mm -hmm. that algorithm's probably feeding you something important, right? <laughs> or that you think's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of got a double whammy there. You've got the, the relief and you've also got the added pleasure as well that comes from there. So the, I think thing to kind of take away from this potentially is if you're trying to find a like a true 
a, a true good behavior analytic procedure, behavior change program, would be trying to understand what are the things that you're getting out of making those decisions. So in this case, it was those two things. And how can we help you get both of those things in a way that helps you still achieve your goals of like not procrastinating. So uh, for example, you could set up something where you turn on an ad block or sorry, a, a, you know, a site that you can install something on your computer that allows you not to open up YouTube between certain hours. But like mm -hmm. that's not necessarily going to work. You need to learn how to make the decisions in the presence of those distractions is like the real goal of like being effective in that moment. I think a nice example of this is, is when I tried to do the social media detox video like a few years ago um, to see if I could increase my creativity in that period of not being on social media. And you know, yeah. phones now, they have these, these, these limits. app limits. Yeah. Um, but the problem with those is, and I found really quickly is that um, it just takes one extra click to turn it off. So then you have like a few options. You say like, okay, I'm not going on this app anymore. You had another option where it just says like, okay, but 15 more minutes in case you really needed to do something there. Or you could just, you know, turn the, the whole limit off. Um, <laughs> so instead of having a hard limit on that app, now I felt like I was introducing a new habit, which is just ignoring the warning and then continuing going on social media. Mm -hmm. So whatever limit I would set it to, I would still <laughs> just hit that one button because it was just one extra step and it was just that little bit easier instead of you know not going on social media. And I still got yeah. that return. Yeah, so um, the thing here is, and this is always hard to give like specific advice on because um, each individual person is going to be in a unique situation of what they're procrastinating to, like what they're getting mm -hmm. out of their procrastination. And so the, the point I'm trying to convey here is that if you can understand what you're going towards and what you're moving away from in the moment, and you can figure that out and note it down, then that's where you can start to try to make some changes over the long periods of time to be able to work on that procrastination. So um, there are, in, in my experience, there's been certain uh, like types of videos that if I make with clients that I find myself where it's like, this is so much work and it is compared to everything else in my life, just things that I don't wanna be doing right now that'll lead to procrastination. So mm -hmm. in the moment, I might procrastinate and I will deal with that procrastination problem and I have to have hard deadlines and like, it's like pulling teeth as we all say to like, to be able to like get these things made. Um, but the next time I find myself in a situation, if I can avoid making something like that, then I'm going to avoid that procrastination issue down the, down the road. And so I know this isn't like a solvable problem forever, like the solution for everybody, but I, I don't know the answer in the short term for those issues other than take note mm -hmm. of it and try to avoid it in the future and find opportunities to get around it. One thing I try to sometimes think about, I don't know if this helps, this is in no way scientific, but I think about things I'm good at, things I'm not good at, and then things that I like and things I don't like. And ideally, I'm gonna do the things I'm good at and I like. I'm gonna not do the things I'm not get, good at and I don't like. Um, if there's things that I'm good at are not good at and I like, I need to learn those and spend some time there potentially. And then what's the other one? See if I can remember this. Things that I'm not good at, um, or sorry, things like. that I'm good at, things that I'm good at that I don't like. 
Those are things that I need to potentially not do, or I need to potentially make sure I'm doing in small doses, or I need to potentially hire somebody if I'm in the opportunity to, right? Like I need to find a solution around that. Like I try to kind of audit my life in a sense and kind of look at those sort of things. And again, that's never mm-hmm. going to get you out of the short-term situation that you're procrastinating in. Um, you're going to have to either fail or find a way through that, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, now, support networks and potential, you know, like there's there's solutions there. Um, but uh, it's, it's a kind of like the emotion thing. Like if I don't work on the systemic emotional sort of situation that I wasn't going to solve that procrastination with this one. If I don't step back and realize what's systemically actually keeping me from wanting to do this task um, and solving that, which depending on that quadrant that I just kind of broke down, it might be learning skills, might be working with somebody else. It might be uh, completely not, you know, taking those sort of tasks anymore. Um, it, It can be a number of different things like that that's, I guess, how I think about it and I try to approach it. Um, and mm-hmm. that's what I was trying to convey. Like, it depends on the unique situation that you're in and getting at that root issue. How do we get over this in the short term, though? The the solution is to go, like, look at it for over long term. But in that moment, I, I don't know if you, how you deal with that. But, like, I'm a weakling when it comes to willpower. And I know that from myself. Like, a one in a ten chance is that will work. How should we look at this? When you run into that situation, um, that's where I usually implement one of those hacks of uh, I need to potentially, you know, block my social media sites. I need to potentially like disconnect my internet for the next few hours. Like I do resort to mm-hmm. those things that are very difficult for many people to even like initiate towards. Um, and I understand mm-hmm. that the. I guess my two-part answer would be that you might have to resort to those situations where you're not actively solving the problem, but you're doing something that gets your behavior going in the right direction in the moment. Um, The other thing would be, and I do need to put this out there at some point a little bit uh, actually as well, is that there are times in which calling on someone else, and that could be uh, all the way from like an actual psychologist because you have something that's impacting your life that much that you need to do those sort of things. That might just be that you need to go talk to a you know an, a, a, someone else in your network, or call it your social network, right? Mm-hmm. That can help you figure out like what's going on there. And so for me, um, I, that might be something where I would call a, a past mentor um, or somebody that's in a field similar to me or Jason like yourself potentially, where I'm like, hey. Uh, I need like 30 minutes to describe to you what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. <laughs> and like, give me an outsider perspective on like, why, why do you think I'm doing this? Um, and those are the hardest people to potentially find because they have to know you very well. Um, and it's also very difficult conversations, but in a way I've kind of have what I call like subject matter experts, like people that know me, mm-hmm. people that know the business that I'm in, people that know the field that I'm in. And when I find myself running into something, it's like, I need a second opinion on this stuff. Um, yeah. and so I don't think I have a, a straight answer for you there. Um, it comes back to, there's something bigger going on that you need to identify, um, and that's what your focus has to be on, um, in the for the for to like figure that problem out, to get it. And I, one other thing, like that one out of ten thing that you, you mentioned there, um, 
that you might get it up to like five out of 10. Like there's going to be situations like you're not going to add a 10 out of 10, I guess is what I'm trying to get here. Right. Um, mm -hmm. no one's ever going to do that. And then I guess the other part is, is the systems that work today might not work the next day because life changes stuff, stuff moves around, right? Like you can look at your life, um, circumstances, certain things socially with your family, with your friends, those things will change and like your strategies have to change as well. So, um, the tools and the systems that I've used, I used to use paper. I now use electronic with Asana for like my notes and my to-dos and stuff like that. Like the, you have to find new things and don't assume that you're like, I locked it in and I figured it out um, and it's good to go forever. No, like life is constantly throwing it off. It's dynamic and you have to constantly adapt and change things here. So, and like, and pair that with like, you'll never hit a 10 out of 10. And I think that at least keeps me happy and sane. Um, like, I kind of lower my expectations and, and realize that it's, it's constant, it's a constant state of chaos where things aren't going right and I get them close and then they're not right and they're close and I, they're not right and they're close. But in hindsight, and when I look back, it's like, Hey, uh, they're, they're more clear. They're better. Like things are trending the way that I want them to. I know that didn't answer think, your question, but no, no, no. It, it actually, every time you, you say something like this and I, it's somewhat of an eye opener. And also I, I hope for, for the one listening here, um, the, the term you said that always comes back to me is variability. And I think that is the explanation for what to do with procrastination. Yeah. So if anyone wants like an easy strategy that kind of like, you're like, okay, like, how do I do this? Um, I would recommend that if you just spend a few minutes at the end of the day noting what worked well and what didn't work well. And if you take some information down on like what you're trying to do, uh, the way that I would frame this is, for example, uh, originally I was trying to create a video every day when I created that channel, the daily BA. Um, so my, I would look at uh, number of videos made per day. It's supposed to be one. Did I make one? It was a count per unit of time, like a count per day. I could have looked at that on a weekly schedule. Like, did I make seven videos in seven days? Um, I could have looked at it on a monthly schedule, but counting what you're doing or not doing uh, in real time, like per day, per week, per month, per year, it could be per hour, per minute, whatever you want it to be. That actually has been a very good first step. And it is actually one of the most predictable uh, measures of behavior is if you do a count per time. Uh, if you do like a percentage or you do any sort of derivatives or if you do anything that like a lot of these uh, apps and stuff will kind of give you potentially, um, those actually don't aren't as good. Like the, the secret of a behavior analyst is uh, usually just counting in time has been, uh, like I said, one of the strongest predictors of future behavior. And so if you count per time on what you're trying to do, you're going to be on a, a really good trajectory because uh, you can start to analyze some trends, right? Um, and you can start to line up your notes with, oh, this day, you know, maybe this week I only got three videos done. What happened? Oh, uh, I had a serious life uh, situation that came up that prevented me from these, right? Um, and it, it gives you that information. Um, we, we know these things usually in the moment, but we forget them. So I tell people, write them down, take some information down so that you can kind of, like you were saying, look back, but look back with numbers and like look back with some like harder information. Yeah, so that's funny that you, you mentioned it like that. Um, so what people cannot see here in the corner of my room is that I have five different calendars, um, like, you know, for the past five months. And I've been recording every time I went out for a workout. So something that I started doing um, after the biggest waves of Corona were hit because I didn't go out during and I had like a lot of work 
coming in thanks to Corona. So that's a little bit of a weird sentence, but I'm really thankful for having like a lot of work in, in those periods. But it meant that I didn't go out as much and I could definitely feel it like less energy. Um, you know, I also have asthma. So, you know, working out seemed like a good thing to do. So I thought to myself, like, what's one thing I can do that's just really easy, um, something accessible, something I could do every time. And I was just mark off that calendar thing. Uh, I've seen it from Matt Diavella's videos, from some other people's videos who, who make some habit content. Um, and I thought, like, why don't we just start trying it out and see what works? And what do you know? After, like, probably the, the first two weeks were the hardest. Um, in, in a sense, like, I was really motivated to do, but, like, there was a lot going on. So it was really hard to push on that willpower of just going out because um, I didn't have a lot of time during the day anyway. But after those two weeks, like, it got hard to not hit the calendar, you know, like not go to the calendar and mark it off. Uh, it just felt like a waste if I if there was a day that I didn't do that. That's a key. That's a key indication of a successful habit program working, and it shows you that you figured out what was motivate. Like you have the right motivation in place. Like when you're like, I don't mm -hmm. want to miss that day, right? Like you mm -hmm. found that you're doing something you want to do, and you're doing it because you want to do it. And that might not be a hundred percent. Like you're still, especially with workouts, right? You're still like, I yeah. want to do this, but like, mm -hmm. you know that the payoff is worth all the effort. Um, and so, yeah, that's a great one. It uh, reminded me of uh, Matt Diavella's trick of uh, working out where it's like, uh, I can't skip more than two days. That yeah. the reason that may work really well for him is because, and others that have tried it is because the, uh, the count per day sort of thing, like it's tied into real time. Mm -hmm. Like behavior change is always tied into, uh, into time like that. So cool. You know, the reward is a uh, cold shower afterwards, Yeah, <laughs> which feels warm when you're working out in, in, the, in the open air. So, okay. uh, Ryan, as you know, it's the, the podcast is called Creator Secrets. And this season, I wanted to be a little bit more specific to each expert that comes on. And like you already mentioned, you've been the, doing the daily BA. And I mean, like it may not have been daily, but it was <laughs> nearly daily if, if I saw all the, the posts coming by. So what's your secret for that? What's the secret for like being consistent and, and not even looking at procrastination, just keep showing up every time? Yeah. Um, two things come to mind. First of all, uh, in a way, I feel like I've been super lucky in, in some ways that not everybody is when it comes to, I mean, anything as large as like uh, being born in the United States and certain things like that. But like my family social life has been a situation where they're like, it has not been disruptive. Um, and so I attribute like a percentage of the stuff, you know, is like just sheer luck, sheer luck. Um, that being said, there's there's still just as much of a importance on uh, trying to understand what you have control over, what you can do day to day. And so for me, I think a big part of this that was really useful is this behavior analysis thinking. I never went into it looking for it, but when I stumbled into that class, I was like, hey, this is something that would, at the very least, help me understand what's influencing me in my life and, and how to and gave me the tools to then measure and understand how to change things to get more of what I wanted in life and less of what I wanted in life um, under my own circumstances, right? Like I could figure that stuff out. Um, and I guess if 
I'm assuming people have connected the dots here. Like that's what I've tried to to offer here is that that sort of framework allows you to look at something like procrastination and understand why is it occurring and what can you do um, to potentially alter those sort of things. So like the secret sauce is just like a daily analyzing the situations that you um, are running into and trying to figure out what you can do next. Um, there is a billion different strategies. There's a billion different people you can potentially talk to. And it's just been slowly going through a lot of those um, and a lot of self-reflecting. And then I guess humbly trying to make sure that you don't forget the, the context of like part of this is sheer luck. Um, but to an extent, there's nothing I can do about that except for try to remember it while trying to manipulate and, and uh, uh, you know, change the world around me in a way that allows me to keep moving in the direction I want to go. So there's nothing special outside of just uh, reflect, analyze, move forward. And uh, after 10 years or 11 years now, I guess, of doing that sort of stuff, like it's pretty wild <laughs> what, what that can achieve. Um, and it compounds. It's like an investment, right? Like this, this daily strategy, um, is, is an investment that'll pay dividends over time. Uh, you just gotta engage in it a lot. What would you say to like someone who's just stepping into the whole self-development thing now? I would say uh, you may not realize it, but if you step back and look around you, a lot of what you do in your day-to-day -day is because somebody else or something else that has been set up by people in society is influencing that behavior from the job that you work at, <laughs> from the potential religion uh, that you follow, to the, the car that you drive, to the people that you surround yourself with. Um, and if you can step back and start to spend some time actually trying to understand, like, why do I do the things that I do? Like, for example, why did I buy the car that I bought? I bought the car that I bought because I had a father that was into, interested in uh, GM, General Motors, like, and wasn't into Fords. And there was an opportunity for a GM to buy. And I was like, yes, this makes sense. Like, I didn't connect in the moment, right? But like, there's opportunities to kind of connect and realize these things. So I think if you can just spend a little bit of time stepping back, it's interesting to see that, holy cow, my day-to-day -day actions are actually influenced by all sorts of things all the time. Um, and then if you can kind of start to see those things, that's the first step before you even try to take note of what they are, take any sort of like measurements like I was potentially suggesting, making any changes in your life. It's a realization of your behaviors influence a lot more than you think. Um, and in a way, it's, uh, I guess, to, to kind of button this up is things like freedom, choices, decisions. I look at these necessarily, not necessarily as like things that are I need to make internally, but like in a way they're just as much a like something that's happening internally as it is all the situations around me are actually like leading to the decision I'm most likely to make. And when you realize that the world's influencing you in all those ways, you can start to make slow changes that then will allow you to uh, make the, the large changes in your life that you really want. We can keep talking for hours on these things. <laughs> and I mean, it's so interesting, everything that you're saying there. And uh, But that would lead to procrastination. So <laughs> for the people out there, um, give me your shameless plug. It's a, a new segment here on, on the podcast. Mm -hmm. What's your shameless plug? Where should people go if they want to know more about these things? Where should they go? And what do you want them to know? 
This is a fun one because I don't even know if you know about this, Tom, but four or five years ago now, I helped start a podcast called Why We Do What We Do. Um, find it anywhere. It's a weekly Wednesday upload. I was involved on it for the first year, year and a half, and then I kind of faded out as I got into video. Um, fantastic, brilliant people involved. Uh, so in a way, it's like a shameless plug, but it's not because I have absolutely zero involvement with it anymore. <laughs> but there is... Uh, now over 250 episodes, looking at things through this behavioral lens. So know that that bias is there and they try to, you know, make sure that it's clear if it's there and, and kind of counter it. Um, but if you have an interest, uh, there's at least 250 topics out there now and it's potentially been talked about a little bit. Uh, I know like habit control was one that we looked at or, you know, changing habits, I think is episode five, if I remember correctly. If you enjoyed this, well, I guess things that I was talking about from this perspective, um, there's a whole lot of topics you can go explore there. So yeah, why we do what we do, potentially. There's a guy, give him a shameless blog and he's not even using it on himself. <laughs> so if you wanna know what Ryan is doing and all his creative behavioral endeavors, you can do a few things. I'm gonna leave everything in the show notes. You can find everything back. You can go to the Daily BA. It's a little bit more technical. If you're really into behavioral analysis and behavioral science, that is definitely the place I would go. That's on YouTube or on Instagram. And if you just wanna reach out, you can can go to dryano.com. It's his ad handle on Instagram. Uh, yeah, again, everything is in the show notes. So with that being said, if you like this podcast or the video that came out of it, um, maybe just leave a review, for example, on Apple Podcasts. That helps this podcast out a bunch so we can get this to more creators and get more creative juices flowing. Okay, now stop procrastinating. You've been sitting down long enough or maybe working out or whatever you're doing when listening to this podcast, but this is me telling you there's this one thought that you still have to do, you go better do it. And afterwards you can spend some really easy chill time or both gonna get a drink and uh, just sit back and relax, okay? You think we can do that? Um, I'm not gonna spoil what the next episode is gonna be, but it's gonna be really interesting for all of you. So definitely come back when that lands. Okay, I'm out. Ciao.